Hello there. Welcome to the final episode of Global Conversations. Uh, and today's topic is aging in the workplace. Uh, you know, should it be an equity, diversity, inclusion issue? Um, let's let's put this into context here. Average lifespans continue to grow. The IMF or International Monetary Fund calls aging the real population bomb. This means that many populations are rap rapidly aging and will soon begin to shrink if they haven't already. At the start of the century, 32 countries, and I'm sure, you know, UK is one of them and China and, and whatnot, Canada, US, uh, had a medium age above 35 years. But by the end of this decade, that number will more than double. And in 25 of those countries, half of the population will be more than 45 years old. Uh, in the Canadian context, one in five Canadian workers is now at least 55 years old, uh, according to Stats Canada. The working age population has never been older on average, and as you might expect, leaving work behind has never been so popular. A record 307,000 people retired in the year uh, ending last August, uh, according to Stats Canada. But in the U.S., uh, the labor statistics estimates that the number of people 75 years uh, 75 and older in the labor force expected to grow by 96, almost 97% by 2030. People are living longer and therefore working longer, which might make the 60 the new 40 as a slogan for 2030. And for someone like me, who just, who will be, uh, I'm going to just say it straight out. I'm going to be 51 in, in three months. Right? <laughs> and, and my guest who, you know, who, who I came across, Victoria Tomlinson, I came across her post um, several months ago regarding aging, aging in play, um, you know, aging in the workforce and seeing that we have a shortage of labor, there's a lot of institutional knowledge that's being lost in 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 the workplaces. So in terms of in terms of that, and also in terms of the fact that we have this labor shortage, it's like, you know, we have to bring, you know, there's an opportunity here where yeah. the aging workforce can return and provide that knowledge and help and, and whatnot. So why not, why not take a, take that opportunity to do that? So my guest, Victoria Tomlinson, like I mentioned, you know, she, I loved her post on LinkedIn and I love what she has to say about aging in, 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 in the workplace, uh, you know, not only now, not only in the future, but how do we bring how do we bring that back into into the fact that um, it's not it's not even talked about so much in equity diversity yeah. inclusion circles, right? So how do we become inclusive for uh, for uh, you know older populations in the workforce and a multi generational workforce? So with that, um, Victoria, I'm I'm so honored to have you here. Oh. Um, and uh, I'm honored and... to be here, Andre. Thank <laughs> you. What a fabulous introduction. Yeah, thank how you. lovely. Thank you, Victoria. Um, yeah, so you know what? Let's uh, let's get started here. Okay. And um, you know how I go about doing this uh, doing this uh, webcast is letting the audience know who you are, um, yeah. your history, your, um, your your background, etc. And you know, I let you tell tell your own story um, because that's more important. That's what will drive our conversation. So so with that, Victoria, the floor is yours. Okay, well, I don't have a standard introduction. It's a bit like an AA introduction. So I start by saying I'm 67 and I want to work for another 20 or 30 years. So you saying you're 51, you see, I just go, you're such a chick. It's you're nowhere yet, Andrea, I have to tell you. So 
Well, it's kind of when you've been working, when you've been around for a long time, it's kind of how do you condense this into something feasible for your poor listeners to have to listen to? Mm -hmm. So my career, if I just quickly whiz through, the first 10 years were in manufacturing. I was very much a pioneering woman. I was the first this and that. But do you know what? When I was young, nobody made a big thing of it. It's much more a thing now. Um, you didn't really talk about it all then. Then I went to EY, the global accountancy firm, and I was quickly promoted and went onto the London leadership team at the age of 32. And then True Love came along and he said he'd only marry me if I worked, which was joyous because he was a partner in a law firm and few wives were full time working. So I felt fabulous. But um, I moved to the north of England um, for the first time. And I started up a PR, became a digital comms business over the years. And out of that, I, in the last sort of, in the last decade, sort of five, five, ten years, I started being sent very senior people, long story, I won't bore you why and all the rest of it, but they needed help with LinkedIn particularly. And I was seen as very odd that I was quite old, but I was a bit of a LinkedIn guru. And I also chaired boards and sat on boards. Oh my goodness, you're in social media, yet you're sort of quite senior anyway. So they came to me because they realized once they'd retired, suddenly they needed to be on LinkedIn and they wanted all sorts of help. And I began to realize that this whole retirement thing is, I can't say the words that I want to say, but it's a bit of a, not a great time of life, to be honest. And mm -hmm. I was meeting people, really senior people at the time, who were in a really bad place mentally. So fast forward, launched next up sort of four or five years ago. And where we are now is, you know, any startup business, you I said when I launched, if we look anything like we do today, we will have failed because you know you're going to have to keep changing your business model, don't you? Mm -hmm. So where we've got to now is we've got two basic products. We run workshops for professional firms, for partners coming up to retirement. And I love those. We're on some, some firms are on about the ninth workshop. We're getting 100% partners recommending us. And what we are is all the things except really the finances. It's inspiration, ideas, giving them confidence, making them excited about the future, whereas most partners start, they haven't even thought about it, to be honest, they start kind of quite apprehensive. And then the other product is, that's all quite elite, because it's very sort of senior and whatever. And actually, the issues are the same, whoever you are, you know, this is a really challenging time. It doesn't matter what you've done, you could have been a receptionist, a driver, a project manager, you will go through a lot of the same issues, emotions, and the rest. Mm -hmm. So we've developed an online platform. I'm now a tech entrepreneur, Andre, <laughs> at, at 67, she says. And I, I have been helping and working with tech entrepreneurs. It's a long story, that. that's, that's fantastic. And I've got these youngsters, well, they're in their 40s, but they seem so young to me, and particularly female entrepreneurs. They've been helping me. I wouldn't have known where to start. And they've been, I give them supper and they come around and say, right, what you want to do is this. And then we'll introduce you to this. And it's fantastic. Absolutely love it. So we have a platform and we have a major UK bank is piloting it with 300 employees at the moment. And we're on version two. And the feedback is phenomenal. And we're now confident we've got a really great product to help any employee think about and plan for the next stage of their lives. I hate this retirement word. It doesn't really mean anything right. anymore. People don't want to retire, just kind of potter in their allotment or whatever. So that's where we are now. I tried that, to condense as much as I could. Uh, no, it's no, like I say, you know, um, 
it's a great story for for you to tell in terms of you know how you've progressed in your uh in your career and it's still a continued career and how you've oh definitely how you learning exactly yeah. right i mean that's the whole thing i mean as you know as we talk about in the world of work you know you continue to learn you continue to uh reshape your career and whatnot and these are things that people don't understand that at any age you can learn right and yes. you know we talk about how how um how you know even even at even at certain ages it's like you know you could be you could be 60 years old and start something new which is what you did right Absol well i was 63 you know. i think when i launched yeah, 63 this, so. right yeah, so absolutely. you can you can do you, you can do whatever you want however you want yeah. whenever you want there's no time frame right and so and so with that you know as i you know as i as i start off or as i talk about the fact that this uh this webcast is you know a lot uh we we talk with um uh, equity practitioners uh hr professionals leaders global leaders etc and so so the big question here is let's start off with the fact that you know why do you think ageism is rarely discussed in equity diversity inclusion belonging context and and more so and more specifically um, you know how does ageism differ from other forms of discrimination such as racism and sexism well let's start with that last one because there's the honest truth is hopefully we'll all of us are going to age so the one thing about most discrimination is we'll only fit into one or two categories or whatever this one is the whole population we are all hopefully going to age mm -hmm. so actually everybody should be interested in this because it's in their self-interest to be honest mm -hmm. this is a really difficult question why has it been rarely discussed i think some of these things have crept up if you like and you know you you gave a whole bunch of stats which are great to start this off by saying that age is changing you know, when, when retirement came in, it was Otto von Bismarck, and he brought it, I need to remember the stats, and I'm not going to remember it now, um, but he brought it in so that you retired, I think it was a year before you were due to, or a year after you were due to die. So actually, age now is not relating to the structures of for, for age, if you like, in society. They don't match up in any sense anymore. And it doesn't make sense to be retiring just when you're probably at your fittest, healthiest peak performance, which is what's happening at the moment. And that's why we're now seeing this retirement whole concept doesn't, it's not fit for purpose anymore. Why haven't we been discussing it? You know what, Andre? I've been running my own business for 33, 34 years in one shape or another. And it's been interesting working with some large corporates now because I have never experienced ageism. Most of my clients have always said, can you just slow down a minute? I can't keep up with what you're doing next or your energy and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things about tips. People need to be high energy, not to be seen as being old, if you like. But I think see, I, I, I questioned and, you know, we're talking about this and sort of some of the, the some of the stats and some of the case studies and things, I, I question what's behind some of them. And I don't think there's as much ageism as people say, but I am now hearing it firsthand. Mm -hmm. I published something, I posted something on LinkedIn a month or two ago, and I had 15,000 views on this thing. 
And the people I didn't know from Adam were telling me their stories and they can't all be made up. Actually, they were they were men and women. A lot of people think this is a female issue. It's not. It's men and women. And you, you have to take that evidence. So why is it? I think partly the Equality Act came in in this country. And I think it's been going around the world that <laughs> discrimination about age now is starting so that there's the legislation there, which means that people are now having to take pay attention to this um but they still haven't caught up with what does that mean they don't know what and how to do now i'm seeing quite a lot of corporates now putting age as one of their pillars of diversity in mm -hmm. and once you put that in you then start measuring and i think you'll find things you're deeply shocked if you start measuring employee engagement by age you will be horrified at just what you see there i'm now seeing this all over the place um i've also seeing that employers stop investing in people from the age of about it seems to be in their 30s mm. so you don't get investment from you know 40s and 50s you don't see any investment really in what i call personal development you might have say regulatory training or something of that kind but not developing people so and i think the other bit of it is what i'm seeing is older people i hate using that phrase older mm -hmm. people at work don't want to complain or raise issues about ageism because they're worried they'll then be made redundant and they won't mm -hmm. be able to get another job mm -hmm. because it's harder to be employed there's a lot of research coming out just in this last year about how employers admit they don't want to recruit people over 50. Uh, you know, it's massive. So I think there's, why has it happened? It, it's hard to say. I think things over time and people haven't registered. We do, we have a professional services retirement forum to share issues around retirement, particularly for partners, but, but employees as well. And we got a couple of partners to talk about how they saw retirement. And they were talking about the horror of the whole word, how they dreaded retiring, how the whole they didn't like to talk to anybody. It's kind of like you, you talk about your retirement in dark secret corners, somebody said. And one of the HR directors said, do you know what? Thank you for sharing. So honestly, it's the first time I've ever heard how much this is such a difficult time. I assumed it was a really great time of life for people. So I think there's something here where people are sort of, you're you're in a glide path to retirement. That's a phrase I hear, horrible, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, so you're kind yeah. of being expected to glide downwards. It sounds to me like you're going into a coffin. It's horrid. Yeah. And actually, there's very low expectations of people, and people haven't known how to challenge it. Yeah. No, it's, it's you know, a couple of things uh, came to mind because I was speaking with an HR director not too long ago, and uh, and she also mentioned the same thing is like, you know, it's not something that she's aware of in terms of yeah. aging, yeah. aging in the workplace. But yet when I've, you know, when I've spoken to two other people, they've, uh, they've mentioned it, right. And they've been concerned at the fact that it's not been an, an issue raised in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, and a second point, um, you know, something that I, that I was researching on, uh, I should have, I could have put it into the, uh, into the introduction, but um, you know, in Australia, there's an actual um, agency or not necessarily a ministry, but I know it's an, it's an agency where they have specifically, um, I believe, I'm not sure if it's the minister or if it's an agency uh, of age discrimination. So they've actually put it out front 
in Australia. Oh, interesting. I didn't know about that. That's yeah, no, I didn't know about that either. So yeah. um, because like I said, you know, when you do research on this and you start to see, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, what are what are other countries doing uh, yeah. to do this work and and to to combat ageism in the workplace or age discrimination in the workplace more mm -hmm. so. Um, these are things that 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 come to mind. And so, you know, what are we doing in you know, in the Western world, I mean, Australia is technically the Western yeah. world, but, you know, what are other countries or what are other, what are the regions like, you know, you know, such as in China or in the, or in the APAC region, it, you know, age is, is more about wisdom, right? Yes. Whereas for here, yeah, right, and, from, sort of right from the Middle East and, further, there's exactly. a respect for age. Massively. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have it in the West. And mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. That's the whole difference in, you know, why is it that, you know, in, in the Middle East and, and Eastern and UAPAC regions are look at it as a, as a form of wisdom, but over here it's a, it's a yeah. downhill spiral and there's a lot of discrimination. So yeah. there's some sort of, uh, there's a lesson here to be learned for this. So, yeah. you know, given that, um, you know, since we're talking about it from the Western world, if you will, North America yeah. and et cetera, yeah. you know, um, and also I want to even add, Add the fact that indigenous communities look at um yeah, look, they at, do. The, look yeah. at the elders as yeah. as those with the wisdom who pass on the knowledge to those who are who yeah. are who are Very younger. True. So so given all of this, you know, what are the you know from your experience and what you've seen and even what you heard in in those fifteen thousand posts and likes okay. and whatnot and stories, you know, what have you heard about the common and biases and stereotypes that that uh, that are associated with it and how do those beliefs impact behaviors and decision making in the workplace from your experience yeah well i mean there's quite a lot of research around this and one of the biggest things are that people think older people are going to be sick and ill so I'm going to give you the myth busters now. Mm -hmm. So actually, just a quarter of people aged 50 plus took time off work because of being sick. This was back in 2014 was the research, whereas half, half people aged 20 to 30 took time off to be sick. Mm -hmm. So there you've got a massive, complete flip on what people would expect it to be. Think youngsters are really fit and healthy. Doesn't matter why that's happening, but older people are not sick. Um, people think they lack ambition as you get older. 91% of the older workforce are keen to progress and to be promoted and mm -hmm. to get on. And I think that's really surprising to most people. And you also hear that um, you hear, I'm just trying to think what the other one was there, that, that um, you hear that people don't want to that they can't use technology. I know this was one of the things we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's absolute rubbish, this. If you look at what happened in COVID, I'm sure this was the same in America and, and in Canada and, and all around the world. When people had a real urgency to use it because they wanted to stay in touch with you know, lockdowns, they wanted to stay in touch with family, or they had to go online to shop or whatever, people were perfectly capable of using technology. They were shown how to do it. But what's happened is employers haven't invested in that training and therefore people have been allowed not to get into technology. And it's become sort of almost a badge of honor. Oh, I don't do tech. It's a bit like this hideous. I don't do maths. Absolute rubbish. Of course, you do maths. Of course, you do tech. And we just have to change this, Andre. 
and people are perfectly capable. There was um, some research about the construction industry and they were asked how much of a priority was it to invest in training in, they called it advanced technology. And what that was, was things like virtual reality, uh, 3D printing, robotics, et cetera, which if you think about construction, this is all where things are going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And 91% of companies said it's not a priority. Mm -hmm. Just stop at that, think about that for a minute. Yeah. So this is the 50 plus generation are either very senior, they're the ones making the investment decisions, but they're being asked to invest in things that they don't understand, they don't understand how it's going to be used, or they're the supervisors, the managers, and all the rest of it. So actually, they don't see the need to train people, yet they're using them and they're managing people who are using them, but it's acceptable to do that without understanding what's happening with the technology. And, you know, we've got some massive problems around productivity in this country. And when you hear things like that, you think, actually, if you're bringing in technology, not understanding, you won't rethink how you're doing the work. So instead of using tech to completely rethink and maximize that investment, mm -hmm. you'll just bring it in and add it on instead of completely, you know, rethinking workforce, people's jobs, roles, and everything else. So I think we've allowed too much just to slip and no one's actually taking a grip on this and saying, right, let's rethink all of this. Let's train up the older generation in tech. Let's expect more of the older generation, to be honest. I think they will respond. I know they will. I know they will. Yeah. And so going back to one of your points, um, mm. you know, where you talked about the, you know, the fact that the younger generation are, are, you know, are more sick than, than the older generation mm. and whatnot. Mm. But there's this, there's this, I don't know if it's a myth. I don't know if it's, if it's just the fact that, you know, older workers have come in from a generation where it's like, if you report being sick or, or they, they tend to, yeah. you know, or, or they tend to you like, keep going. Hold it. you, you keep, keep going. going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So does that play a part into those those statistics, if you will. I'm sure it must do, to be honest. I don't yeah. know. I don't have the, the information behind that, but I can't believe right. it doesn't. Um, and, you know, I've had my own health problems over the years. I don't really talk about it, but right. um, most people wouldn't know that. You know, I do have odd, you know, a couple of months in hospital at a time from time to time, mm -hmm. but it's a mental attitude. I'm not going to be a victim to this. I'm going to keep going. And I think that is something of an older generation generally. You can't, it isn't everybody, if I'm honest, but yeah. I do think there is something there. And I yeah. think I think some of these are kind of, as you say, generational expectations, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that was the only thing that I kind of had a little bit of a, a question yeah. about. What, I think you may be right. Yeah. So so, you know, so continuing on that for a minute, let's you know, mm. now we've we've talked about the biases and stereotypes. And now let's go a little bit further when it mm. comes to the intersectional aspect of it, especially with those who are from the global majority, from the people, from people of color, racialized and marginalized communities, you know, how does, you know, how do you think intersectionality uh, intersects with ageism in place? And can you, uh, can you talk a little about, especially um, one of the things that, that I came across was what actually really, really started my conversation, even before our conversation was this podcast from a British, um, a, a, a British uh, podcast where they were talking about menopause and they talked about gendered ageism. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you know, there's a double effect, if you will, of, you know, there's stereotypes with, with even women, um, you know, with women, uh, 
getting older in the workplace and aging yeah. in the workplace. So, so there's a couple of factors here that are involved, and that's why I bring it up as an intersectional aspect. I struggle with some of this, Andre. I have to yeah. say, yeah, uh, and I know quite a lot of women. We're we're slightly worried that a lot was needed around menopause, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of women are now worried that not only we're going to have babies when they're younger but now you've got flipping menopause when you're older and that we worry that men are going to look at women as just one big problem you know yeah. that is, is constant health so i i think we have to be careful where we go with this yes yeah. you know and we do we talk about men's impotency in the same way i don't think we do so you know it, it's kind of we need to balance some of this out a bit yeah <laughs> so um sorry about that but i just thought we'd bring it down to sort of hey this is this is where you talked about here. being being direct right so there you go there's your opportunity okay. yeah so we've got to be a bit careful about this and so make sure we get it balanced yeah exactly um, i know harvard business review came up with an article and to be honest i didn't read it properly i was just irritated with it because it's saying women now have got more problems I don't think that's true if I'm honest. I think mm. men have got just as many problems. It might look slightly different, um, but I think I think there's some things where women who, if they age and let their hair go gray, they um, and maybe they don't quite care to be quite as fashionable as they get older. And why why should they have to, if you like? I think that can be seen as quite aging. And I have heard a chief exec; it was appalling. Um, the comments that he made, you know, about somebody's hair, she needs to sort it out and things. But you know what, that, like the equivalent can happen with men, uh, you know, and uh, there, there are lots of issues around this. I think I prefer to say, I think there are, there, there is ageism around. I haven't experienced it. I am now seeing the evidence from what people tell me. It's too much just to say there's one or two cases here. It is widespread. I think, I think it's going across the board though. And I don't think you can sort of say women hit it more than men. Honestly, some of the stories I hear, they are, men may not be talking about it in the same way. They are hitting, they're experiencing ageism just as much, I think, as women from what I'm seeing. Yeah. And it's, it's and I'm interesting. Sure it's the same in terms of, you know, we haven't had the same ethnic representation at older levels. So I'm not sure we have the same data uh, going in corporates anyway, in mm -hmm. the same level. It's coming through now. Um, but, you know, when I do workshops with professional firms, it's, you know, it's very rare that we have much, um, you know, any diversity in the room, you, you know, only a few women and very few um, people from ethnic minorities. That is beginning to change, but it's slow. Yeah, I would imagine that maybe you know going to your earlier point of the fact that you know if if people people of color racialized and marginalized minority or communities start to talk about this they they you know they have this fear that they're going to lose their jobs right yeah yeah um so there's that um and also too and, and i'm you know you may or may not have known about um there was a there was a broadcaster here in canada lisa laflamme who was fired by someone who looks like me bald um, you know, except I'm biracial, he's white. So a bald white guy fired this person who, you know, who had been a, a, a stalwart on, on broadcast news for such a long time, who was a person who would occasionally go over to the UK and, uh, and report on, you know, royal goings on and whatnot. And, uh, and that hit the headlines because of the fact that this occurred to her. And that was all the rage. And, you know, next thing you know, another um, another organization, another news organization hired her to oh, cover yeah. not only uh, 
Queen Elizabeth II's funeral, but also also the uh, you know yeah, yeah so it, it happened recently right and of course the king's uh, coronation so right. so she's like the, the 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 royal reporter now for this other news agency and they hired her and it's like and she just let her hair you know she's like forget this like you know during covid did you have time to color your hair did you have time to do yeah. things no right yeah. so you just yeah. become natural and then she just said you know what i'm just going to keep it this way yeah. right why do i need yeah. to continuously color yeah. my hair you know, I can't speak for it because I got no hair, but still, you know, but at the same time, it's I'm lucky because like, you know, I've got jeans where mine's not going uh, gray yet. It's a little bit starting, <laughs> but I'm not quite there to make all these big decisions. I have a feeling yeah. I'm not going to go gray though. I have yeah. to confess. <laughs> so this is these are these are the stereotypes that you know that are seen, especially in highly visible industries such as uh yeah. you know, such as television. So I mean, you know, um, you know, and I I think um you know, going back to, you know, changing, changing tunes here for a minute, um, as we're talking about technology, as we're talking about television and we're talking about technology and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, how, so we talk about, you know, the 3D printing and whatnot, but also at the same time, how do you think technology has, you know, has, has impacted or, 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 you know, addressed or even addressed ageism for for a certain extent, or or expanded on that, or you know what I mean. So, so I think what are the misconceptions about that, if if any? Mm. I mean, for me, I think technology has opened up so many opportunities for older people, if you like, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. older generations. Um, you know, you don't have to travel as much anymore to, to achieve things. I think about how ill would I have to be before I couldn't contribute to society. I sometimes imagine lying in an iron lung because I could still mentor entrepreneurs. You know, you could still, your brain's going, but that's all because of technology. I'm not sure if I'm quite answering your question here, but I think technology is a huge bonus, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do so much so easily and you can engage with people. But I don't think people are doing this. I, I've got some of our, my family members are, are older and they are they haven't really engaged with society much. And they're feeling I don't really know where I'm going with this, but they're feeling like they're excluded from all sorts and haven't got a stake mm -hmm. in the future, if you like. Mm -hmm. And I think what technology should be doing is helping people to stay engaged with society and to feel they have a contribution and a stake in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think it's too easy. You know, we've moved away from communities where you would have a stake. You know, this is going back to what you were saying about indigenous um, communities where older people are respected and valued and things. And I think some of this family breakdown and things, maybe that's contributed to in the West, we don't value the older generation quite so much. And there's too much of letting people kind of, I'm going to use a horrible word here, but rot away in care homes, really not engage. And yet they could be so engaged. And I just think we need to do more. I mean, we're talking here about, I'm not talking about people who are at that sort of, when they're becoming quite infirm and, and mentally perhaps not quite so active. I'm really looking at people in their 60s, 70s. 80s 90s is going to say because I still want to be relevant when I'm 90 but <laughs> yeah. you know and I think and, I, and this is partly why because the more active you are now when you're 50 60s 70s the less likely you are to be rotting away in a care home later mm -hmm. on isolated lonely not having anyone around you the more active you stay now the more that you're creating a state for your future yeah and actually, you know, to your points, uh, and I think I want to ex expand on it a little bit is so, 
you know, as I mentioned at the outset before, before we came on, I came back from a conference in Amsterdam, uh, mm. Money 2020. And, you know, although it wasn't a theme uh, or a, a sub-theme, if you will, about ageism, one of the things that was talked about was financial inclusion, right? And okay. uh, especially in the fintech industry, right? You yeah. know, um, before it was, before it was, the conversation was, oh, they're never going to understand um, ATMs, you know, we would see them struggling at the at the ATM. And, yeah, and you know, there are all these stereotypes that surrounded them now, now, you know, and they'll be like, you know, oh, we need to, we need to have that, we still have to have that uh, personal touch of, of tellers and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, how do we how do we bring on technology to make it easier for uh, for the older generation to adapt to, to, to use and to, and, and to trust the system in and itself outside, yeah. instead of having those, their own stereotypes of, oh, you know, they're going to take away my money or, or whatnot. Yeah. So, so that's something that really came about too. But you know what? And I'm passionate. I'm involved with something called Wild Digital. It started off as women in Leeds Digital. And now mm. we're kind of about much more diversity now. And what we're trying to do is get a much more diverse community involved in designing our tech products and services. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening at the moment, we have too many tech geeks, if you like, in back rooms designing products for everybody. And they're not designing them to be usable or easily usable or relevant to lots of different communities, including older people. Mm -hmm. And what we need is, you know, I've just proved you don't have to be techie and to create a tech platform. You've got to you've got to get your mindset into it. You've got to work a bit harder. But I have been able to learn what you have to do. It is not rocket science. You've just got to get into there. And what we need is to encourage more people of all ages and backgrounds to say that tech is, you know, tech's got this weird sort of almost in another room, it's a different kind of world. It isn't, it's everything around us. And we have to encourage people right from the youngsters through to the older generations to own it, get involved in it, help design it, use it, everything mm -hmm. else, because otherwise we're excluding too many people in the future. So that's my another one of my passions here. No, exactly. Getting everybody involved in that. No, exactly. You know, it's, it's you know, given the fact that you know, even my experience initially coming into this, uh, going into that conference was, you know, the, 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 you know, the main, the main phrase is the tech bros, right? It's just a younger yeah. generation, yeah. white male, um, who, who really, you know, who really are passionate about this work, who are looking, you know, they're, they're looking for, for, you know, for their next product to be, to be, um, to go and, and get the funding, et cetera. But what, what they're forgetting is that, in all of that mix is how do you become inclusive uh, yep. to, you know, not only to, to, to the population, to African populations, to smaller yeah, uh, exactly. communities for all that, yeah. but also too is, you know, as we're talking about in this, in this webcast is, you know, how do you bring it to the older generations? Right. So well, I'll tell you, yeah. we had a big event in Leeds just uh, April, just, just recently, and it's called Climb 23. And as part of it, we had a super hack and we were getting 10 teams to design a product in a day, an app in a day. 
And they came to me and said, would you put in a team of 50 plus? I, mean, I haven't got time for this at the moment. But of course you do, because it was too yeah. tempting. So yeah. we put in a team. We were all, well, Sandy, my colleague, she's 49, but everybody else was 50. And we had somebody, Ranjit Aurora is 80 years old. Mm. And she came and joined us. And we designed, a pro everybody was contributing to it. In a day, we came up with a product that's using AI, and we're helping to uh, people to identify their personality type and then suggest what kind of volunteering you might like to do. And we created that in one day. Absolutely amazing. And this is about going that no code route that yeah. you can do amazing things now. And I just felt, yeah, we're showing the world what you can do. You, you know, we can be techie at 50 plus at 80. You know, how yeah. brilliant is that? Yeah. And actually, we want to just smash conceptions about everything. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing was, I believe there was also a tech conference in London, I believe was last week or the week before. So I, yeah. I'm, you know, as someone who just came from a, from a fintech conference myself, you know, I'm wondering, you know, if that was even discussed, you know, not knowing the agenda or whatnot, but it would be, I would be curious to, to hear in terms of yeah. financial inclusion yeah. and how they're, and, and how they're, uh, they're they're bringing in and being inclusive of of, of uh, communities of senior communities and whatnot so 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 you know so i guess then that you know as we wrap up this uh our conversation here um you know what role can individuals managers leaders um you know or even or as we're talking about we've just talked about tech tech uh, professionals yeah. too yeah. So what role can they play in terms of combating ageism in, in you know, in the workplace or in or as entrepreneurs, et cetera? And what are some actions they can take to support colleagues yeah. uh, who okay. may be experiencing ageism in, 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 you know, in the workplace? So I think going back to the individuals, this is a challenge for everybody listening. You've got to own your own futures. You know, don't expect others to do it for you. And I think if you don't want to be a victim of ageism, I wrote a blog about this years ago. You're just reminding me now. I think I did 15 ways to avoid being a victim of ageism. Mm -hmm. But one of them is about getting into tech. It's about being interested in the future, not, not dipping into that, oh, we didn't do it in our way. You know, when I was younger, we didn't do this. No, you yeah. didn't. There wasn't even the internet when you were younger. Yeah, right. things move on. So don't be that kind of old person. Get interested in the future and really open your mind to that. And then what can organizations do? The, the bit that we're going back to what we said earlier, I don't think most HR teams, leaders have any concept about this whole retirement issue. And I think it's a massive blocker. It's a real mental health issue. If you're concerned about mental health, this is the unspoken area, both before you retire and after. And I think what the future is that you, as people leave their companies, they will become ambassadors and you will still use their skills in the future in your company. To mentor youngsters, to be ambassadors in the community, all there's such an opportunity. We've only just started thinking about all of this. So I think there's a huge thing there. I'd like to think our platform is now going to help people because what we're doing is taking away this fear about retirement and changing the thinking and language so that people start talking about the future, better succession planning, better everything, and actually starting to look for, one of the things we suggest is people get involved in their company's ESG initiatives. Mm -hmm. Everybody's mm -hmm. got things around sustainability, around diversity, around blah, blah, blah. And actually this older generation are good because most of those are about relationships with people 
forming collaborations, understanding, researching, getting pilots going, really good areas for people. And what we're saying to people is get involved in them, not just to tick a box, but actually it's a really good way to build new connections that you're going to want when you leave. There may be areas that become interesting that you can continue on, but I think it'll help people to kind of regenerate themselves and become, you know, when you've worked in an organization for 20, 30 years, I heard somebody talk about this generation as permafrost, which I just thought was horrible. So mm. actually they're seeing people as kind of not contributing. Actually make sure people are contributing, expect more, invest more, and look at the stats, look at where people are in terms of engagement. And really start thinking about how are we making the most of the generation skills? They are different from youngsters. They haven't grown up on phones and emails. They, they pick up the phone, they're very good. And not everybody, but you know, as a generation, people are better at relationship building. And I think there's so much that they could do more of to add value to organizations. And we just haven't really used that talent enough. Yeah, and, and do you, and I guess from your experience and your, you know, and your knowledge and whatnot, have you, you know, have you heard of any programs that, you know, UK specific could be an example, like, you yeah. know, have you heard any programs that have, that have, that have done this where they've been able to, you know, not only um, combat the stereotypes and whatnot of ageism and, um, yeah. you know, and whatnot. So I, think, so I think what I'm seeing now is you mentioned how the 50 plus generation are leaving in droves and yet we've got a skill shortage right. and it's plain ludicrous what's mm -hmm. happening here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what this generation's wanting is more flexibility and certainly in this country and i think it's it's globally the 50 plus generation are finding themselves caring for older parents and for grandchildren because right. it's certainly in this country the cost of childcare is through the roof yeah. so they're finding themselves torn they don't necessarily want to retire, but there is only an option of full time or not. So what a lot of organizations are doing. So Unilever has come up with something called U-Work, which is amazing, where you have a basic contract with them and you can so you get basic benefits of a basic pension, healthcare, and something else and holiday allowance. Um, and then you can work as much or as little as you want. So you could do a one day shift or a six month project. So it sounds horrendous to organize if I'm honest, but they're, they're bringing this in hugely successful and they're finding actually it's not just the older generation who are finding this, actually young mums are finding it great. And a lot of what people are finding is when they introduce things that work for the older generation, they're actually working for employees much more widely. Um, Lloyds Bank is also doing a lot around flexible working and they're bringing in caring policies to make things easier for them. Um, and legal in general, are they've got a service about helping a lot of employers are using. If you're trying to find care for your parents or sort of older you know, family members, they've got a whole bunch of information and, and a helpline to help you through that because it's horrendous sort of minefield trying to find out. And then there's a brewery, Fuller's Brewery, and mm. they've been trying to recruit 50 plus people. And they're saying it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, they're very loyal. They're great in pubs and sort of in pub, you know, in customer relations and whatever. So there are some really good examples coming through at the moment uh, of people really serious about how do we do this better? Um, I think they would all say, we're not best practice yet, nowhere near, but we're, we're trying out all sorts of things. And we're working with quite a few now, which I'm loving. And they keep sort of saying, what's best practice? And keep going, 
the fact you've even asked us to help you that's best practice you know even wanting to get involved in this you're already way ahead of the curve on this yeah. and everybody's still struggling there are there is not a lot of best practice around there are pockets of lots of interesting things going on yeah and you know well now you remind me I've, i haven't had a fuller's in a, a long time so maybe i should maybe i should support them to, to, to have a, have I, a love fuller's. <laughs> and, I love it and and you know and, and listening to all these all these organizations doing this and you know i'm wondering did this occur prior to the pandemic or did it did, or did these occur or do you know if these occurred because of the pandemic right it, it's mean, been happening a lot of this has been yeah. happening yeah i think the pandemic accelerated a lot yeah. um age the discrimination the age well, it's the equality the the equality act has yeah. has also introduced people having to think about some of this i just think it's a time and you gave the trends you know we are now living longer i mean when we do our workshops i start off by saying you could be retired for longer than you worked and they kind of go oh my god i haven't thought of it like that yeah. and i go that's a lot of time to fill you know what are you going to do with it yeah. and we talk about the need to find purpose and actually you see i think there's such a talent pool for employers to use once people have left it's kind of the, the whole i'm i've done a podcast with aviva wittenberg cox and she's wonderful so i don't know if you come across her mm. she now talks about our four quarters of life instead of the three the three stages it used to be education work retire and there's now this extra sort of third quarter in here which is such an opportunity but employers haven't got their heads around this and mm. that's where you've got to start by by looking at we have changed there's now going to be five or six generations working in a workforce. Yep. Yep. We need to think about intergenerational and we've all got to learn to respect each other better. You know, mm -hmm. we the, can I say the older generation needs to be more respectful of the younger as well. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. they have a lot to offer us. And you've got it's everybody about just learning a bit better mindsets, not quite so fixed in how we used to think of things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's I think there's a great future for us all to rethink work and how we use those opportunities and use the opportunities of this older generation they're dying to use their skills you would be amazed what they might come in and do for not much money if not for free if that's yeah. not i don't know if that's right or not but they're dying to use their skills however they can help you yeah no exactly and you know as i close this season of, of global conversations and this was a great ending to this season because oh, of the you. fact it summarizes everything that I talked about, talking about purpose, talking about inclusion, uh, talking about how to combat uh, discrimination in the workplace, like all of that. I think you've you've summarized everything that what this is this this webcast is is meant to uh, meant to meant to talk about and meant to educate our audience about and for for them to learn from people like yourself who have who have seen it, who are living it, who are experiencing it, and who are teaching people that, you know, age is just a number. It's it is. More, you know, it is just a number. It and seriously is. Yeah, exactly. And, I don't and, feel whatever nearly 70 is meant to look like. Exactly. And you're so energetic and, and, you know, and this is, and this is great that I've, that I, you know, like I said, that I've, that I've concluded with you being uh, you. a part of this. And I, and I really appreciate it. It was just, it was just a matter of timing. I know it was before it was, you know, we tried to do it, but you were on vacation, yes. et cetera. But yeah. at the end of the day, well, we got you, together. Okay. 
Yeah, and I and thank I'm you. grateful. And welcome what you're doing as well, because it's yeah. much needed. And if I can help anybody, just give me a call. I'm yeah. on LinkedIn, as you probably gathered, and yes. you know, happy to help anybody and have a conversation because I just want to share as much as we can and get things better. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so with that, um, Victoria, again, I thank you for all your wisdom and knowledge and yeah. and uh, and contribution to to the profession and whatnot. And uh, I've learned a lot. And of course, I've summarized everything in terms of what's been discussed uh, over the last uh, 15 episodes. So uh, so with that, I conclude this season of Global Conversations. Um, and I look forward to seeing everyone uh, in, the, in the fall. So Victoria, once again, thank you very much thank for you. this. Thank and uh, and we'll time. see you in the fall. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.